Hey guys, welcome to the Meet Me Halfway podcast. This is episode number two, and I am Brett Knapp. Hey guys, this is Mackenzie Cleveland, and uh, we're excited to bring you some more creepy stuff this week. Uh, Our first episode, we kind of just went over a little bit of our history of our 20 plus 21 year friendship, I think we found out today, Um, and just kind of how we met and our love for creepy, scary, all of the above things. Um, Yeah, so we hope you guys tuned in. We hope you guys liked it. did all the good stuff for it. <laughs> even, if you, even if you didn't like it, we hope you still listened. That's fine. Yeah, Don't that's have fine. To Listen, we know. Agree with it. It was a little rough. We're, uh, bear with us. It was. Getting our reins here. We are podcast babies, so we're still trying to figure out how to walk. Yeah. No, we're crawling. Well, no. we're wobble walking. You know, I, a little Come on. Give us a little credit. I want to put the standard low. <laughs> I think people can just listen to it and the standard will be low on its own. That's true. That's true. But oh, this episode will only be better yeah. than the last one. So but yeah, um, yeah, we found out today actually that our, our friendship is the same age as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which happens to be McKinsey's all-time favorite show. Listen, if this so is that was exciting. So you can talk about supernatural. I'm gonna just shut it off. Now. I'm not gonna talk about supernatural. <laughs> I just thought it was a fun fact that it is a very and it also made me feel because when I think about Buffy, I just think very like it's an old show, you know? Like I don't feel like we're that old, but I guess I've just, I've kept watching it for so long that I just have no relevance as to how old it is because I've just watched I've probably watched it every single year. Except for now that it's off Netflix, yeah. can't, which is annoying. It's on Hulu. <gasps> what? It is on Hulu. I yeah, I saw it last night. But I you. <sighs> You're so rude. It's on there. <laughs> it's on there. I thought about watching, but I didn't. But yeah. So what's been um, with you the last couple weeks? Um. Let's see. Well, my uh, my parents came out to visit me from Tulsa. Um, if you guys did listen last week, you may remember hearing my werewolf puppy howling in the background. And uh, so she went to what I'm calling Grammy boot camp in Tulsa. So my parents um, took her back there just for a little bit to, to kind of get her trained, which I'm really sad. I miss her, but you know. I am a little more well-rested, I won't lie. She keeps trying to compare her uh, dog to having a newborn, and I have three children, so it's a little comical. But Murphy is kind of a, a wild woman. She is definitely... I was going to say, you did agree that uh, compared to a newborn baby, she <laughs> she's Just rough. a different level. But... No, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. But so it was, it was fun. We were out here for a few days, and... Um, uh, you know, it's always good to see them. And, and it's kind of brings me to, um, you know, a story that I wanted to share. We're going to call this, uh, my creep of the week here. So my dad and I, <laughs> yeah. Um, my dad and I have always been huge into scary movies as we discussed last episode. Um, and one of our favorite things to do in addition to watching great scary movies is also watching absolutely terrible, cringeworthy B scary movies. And we used to do this with the sci-fi channel all the time. Um, with the like, it's like mega Python versus crocodipus. Like it was just like the most ridiculous combination of animals. Like yeah, a crocodile and an octopus that was meshed together in a lab by mad scientists and then somehow it escaped and now, you know, is terrorizing society. Yes. As one does. Yeah. The concept I'm on board with. Yeah. But the actual movies, like the movie itself was naturally horrible. But so we love just mocking them. Um, So when they were out here visiting, uh, my mom went to bed and we went to watch a scary movie. And You always had to wait until Kim went to bed. That was always the rule. Because the scariest thing she would watch was Ghost Whisperer growing up. (laughs) That was her scary show. Her scary show, as she called it. To me, there's nothing more terrifying than Jennifer Love Hewitt acting in general. But... (laughs) Oh, at least she'll never hear it. That's fine. Yeah, sorry. Well, she was okay, and I know what you did last summer, I guess. That's true. Shout out there. Those were good. That was a good trilogy or whatever, however they made. 
That's true. She did, and she was really good in that one, the the Halloween episode of Boy Meets World that she had the cameo in as Jennifer Love Pfefferman. Oh, I forgot about that. You remember that episode? You remember? Yeah, like, I watch it every week. <laughs> I know. Well, I also watched it this past Halloween. So. <laughs> of course, you did. It's one of the best episodes of Boy Meets World. Yeah, well, they're all good. Uh, would you rather be plugged Boy Meets World or Supernatural? Because Boy it's Meets gonna, World every time. It's going to be one or the other. That's fine. I can talk about right. Boy Meets well, I, sh- I shouldn't even have to plug that. Everybody should just have already been there. No, yeah. Right. So what did you guys end up watching? Yeah, so we ended up watching Ouija, Origin of Evil, which is actually a, a prequel to just i think it's just regular ouija <laughs> and i i'd seen that one before and then so we're scrolling through and this one uh got an eight i think it was an 82 percent on rotten tomatoes so we're like man like that's yeah that's super high for a scary movie so you know maybe we should see what it's all about it can't be that bad because people are super harsh on rotten tomatoes which yeah. side note did you see a wrinkle in time got really terrible reviews did it come out yeah, really? it came out yesterday. Oh, well, I mean, I honestly have never read that book. That's like one of the books I've never, it was always kind of one of those, I always thought I would read it and I never did. That and, um, oh, the Narnia. Isn't that weird? Oh, I read the first three. Of yeah. But Wrinkle, yeah, well, I don't know. I guess I read a Wrinkle in Time because I think my older sister was reading it for school or pleasure. I don't know. Um, and so then I, I read it, but I haven't, it's been, years um but i thought the movie looked so good and it has such a great cast and then i, I saw today it was like a 44 you know? percent i cannot stand um i always forget his name he plays the dad who gets the gloves yeah what is his name Chris Pine. yeah i can't stand him so that's like i but i always i mean i always like his movies because he's he's always cast really well he gets like every like really good parts but i just don't like he's just mm-hmm. not convincing to me i don't know what it is so that i could i could see that's so what i'm saying is he that's probably why <laughs> yeah he's a better actor than oprah no hey oprah an actress i love oprah but she's not an actress she's a talk show host oh, anyways this is the uh, anyway i digress entirely. yeah on my it's rotten tomatoes let us know how Wrinkle in Time is if you guys have seen it and if it's worth our time going to see. I probably will because I have kids. Well, I don't know. My kids are too young, maybe. But let us know if it's worth going to see. But anyway, so you watched Ouija. What is it called? Ouija? Is that yes. what you say? Ouija? Origin of Evil. Yeah. And it was horrible. I do not know how it got an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's So I'm just going to sum it up in a very short sentence here. Um, teenagers play with a Ouija board. It's the 70s. The youngest, her little sister, youngest daughter of the household gets a hold of it. And naturally she starts contacting spirits who she thinks is her dead father. But big surprise here, it's actually evil spirits pretending to be her father. And that's how they lure her in. She gets possessed. Lots of people die. There's some jump out scary scenes and they left it open for a third one at the end. Well, I kind of... I mean, it sounds like everything sounds like it would add up to a good movie, but there's but not- it was very cliche, scary stuff. Like, for instance, there's this one scene after the girl gets possessed, and this the teenage girl's boyfriend comes over, and he's like, on several occurrences, he's been kind of weirded out by this little girl because she's a little freak, and all of a sudden, he's like, they're talking, and she's like, "Oh, will you come down to the basement with me? I have something." to show you and all of a sudden he's just like yeah sure why not let's go down to the basement after he's like terrified of her he just had a change of heart right. and so he decides to follow her to the basement where like you know spoiler alert he dies oh what if i want so it's, it's like stuff like that when you're like come on that's stupid anyway so this it, 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 as a terrible of a movie as it was it was fun for my dad and i to mock and then it got me kind of thinking about ouija boards and the fact that they really are like they're really intriguing to me and we've never played with one no i know we never had one i mean i think had amazon prime been a thing we probably would have had one and lots of other creepy weird i mean lord knows our search history would have been (laughs) strange but yeah i would have gotten accounts (laughs) yeah seriously um no we never i've never 
don't know that I've ever even seen one in person. That's not, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's a real one or whatever, yeah. but um, they've always, yeah, they've always been interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know how much I believe in them because I feel like there's probably, I think what I've heard is like, if there's so many hands on it, that eventually that energy from that many people will push it. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, that's just what I've heard about them. I don't know how much truth is there to that. There is to that, but yeah, it still sounds fun. Though. Say, yes. I think it's, I don't think I'll ever play with one just because I don't, well, I don't know. It's kind of like the same reason I don't do bloody Mary in the mirror, in the bathroom, you know, like I've done it before. I live to tell the tale, but still that little voice in the back of my head is like, you're going to die if you do this. Yeah. Um, but so interesting segue there. Um, I actually found this true story about Ouija boards, which um, is a movie now on Netflix called Veronica, um, which is labeled the scariest horror film ever. Yeah. I have not watched it yet. No, me either. Have you watched it? No, no. My sister sent it to me. She was like, you guys watch this and talk about it on your podcast. And I definitely, I mean, I think it's one that we need to watch together. I mean, I, there's no way I'll be able to talk Chris into watching it with me. Uh, and I'm not watching it myself because I am a wuss. Uh, so yeah. I think we should uh, figure out a way to watch it together. Maybe if I can come to town or something, or if uh, we can just yeah. Zoom each other and not Skype. I know. I was, I was thinking too. Zoom, not Skype. Um, but then the thing of at the end of the movie, we're both then alone <laughs> when we turn off Zoom. We'll just have to do a, um, watch an episode of Friends after that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is usually usually my saving grace. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I started to look up this movie, which and, and the true story behind it. So by the way, this movie got an eighty-eight on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm really hoping that it lives up to its I mean, score. We obviously cannot trust that rating system. So, but the movie is based on a true story. Ooh, I love it that. is. Yeah. So I, yeah, I found this article. Um, so basically it's this girl named Estefania and she, uh, the eldest of four children, she died suddenly and inexplicably. <laughs> I cannot ever say that word. No. Inexplicably. <laughs> inexplicably. <laughs> In, in August of 1991, and it just happened to be six months after playing with a Ouija board, and she was just um, 18 years old. And so, you know, normally that wouldn't be that big of a deal because, I mean, you can try and create a conspiracy with that as much as you want. But um, it also said that one of the boys from the group that played with the Ouija board also died in a tragic motorbike accident. He died before Estefania. So then she and two of her peers decided to try and uh, perform a seance at their school to connect with this guy. And the peers then said, after they were interrupted by a teacher, the peers came forward and they said that during that seance, they had seen a strange swirling smoke enter Estefania's nose and mouth. So that all signs lead to possession. Um, so then after this happened, their Estefania began having seizures and hallucinating. Sometimes she would go into fits of wild rage, snarling and barking at her younger brothers. And on other occasions, she would tell her parents that she'd see shadowy people walk past her bedroom at night. Um, so, you know, is she crazy? Like, it's just, she have a health issue or is she possessed by demons? I'm going to go with the third option just because, but yeah. So apparently then her health just continued to worsen and she was made into the hospital and then she passed away in August of 1991. And it, it's still unsolved because her death is just, they labeled it unexplained. And so her parents still don't know what happened, but they have now begun to experience weird things like doors slamming out of nowhere, electric appliances turning on and off, um, shadowy beings in the background, and photos of Estefania will just unexplicably... Everything is so... In an unexpected... (laughs) I'm going to need to use that word in a sentence a day to just get used to it. um, Would burst into flames. Oh, for real? I wonder if you Mm -hmm. can look up the pictures. Oh, there is a picture online, actually, of, of... the burned up photo so it's true um yeah i'm really intrigued because that's like pretty i mean 
two people died and then now her parent like yeah. another generation is saying you know like older people are saying okay no this is happening to us now i don't think yeah. i want to have a say experience. and it makes you wonder if like what what they're experiencing is that their daughter or is it now that like whatever was possessing her oh yeah because but i mean i don't know i wonder where she was when she died where the spirit left her she's in the hospital yeah so i don't know if it would go back to her house yeah it is her i don't know yeah i don't know but we have to watch that movie that's uh be the next creep of the week but um, I like your creep of the yeah. week. What's been going on with you? Not a lot. Just same old, same old, hanging out. Um, just hanging out with my kids, like I always do. My creep of the week, well, it's always been something I've been interested in, but I've recently, well, thank you to a and I was able to learn more about, but there's been a couple specials on a and about cults. Two in particular. The first one I watched was about the... Oh, what is it? The Davidians. It's in Waco. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is the Jamestown Massacre, which is the um, Jim Jones, his cult. And I can't remember. I don't know a ton. Obviously, don't know a ton of details about it. But um, I should since I watched the specials. But no, I just not take notes during the um, documentary. Uh, and both of those were kind of things that anytime anyone brought them up or I'd heard about them, I'd always just kind of nod my head like, yeah, because you kind of hear, but yeah, it was a cult. Okay, I get it. Like, yeah, oh, I've heard, you know, you kind of get the gist or you think you do. But learning about them, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so bizarre, so insane. The Davidians were, cra- I mean, just straight up crazy and they were kind of just crazy in a different way. But the Jamestown Massacre, I didn't realize um, – I think that was kind of where like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid thing started because they wound up, I think it was like a 912 people mass suicide in Ghana and which is just beyond. And it's kind of that whole psychological thing that I just intrigues me so much, just that you can convince that many people. And I mean, it's just like that fear mongering, I guess, of that there's something that is worth killing themselves over you know yeah so what like was their purpose like what were they afraid was gonna happen uh, they had to kill themselves i don't like i said my details may be a little off because i keep getting them too mixed up because i watched them so close together but so i think his whole thing was basically I mean, they were doing great work and well, from the outside, it looked like he was doing great, like civil rights work and they were very um, integrated as far as race and all of those types of things. And then they were doing a lot of work outside, like into the community and stuff like that. Um, I mean, come to find out he was like a huge racist behind closed doors. He was just kind of um, taking advantage of these people, obviously, but you know, it seemed like he was actually doing a lot of things for them. Um, and so they kind of twist it into the world around us. It's basically a hellhole. You know what I mean? Like everyone is just sinners and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's just, we don't want to raise our children in this world because it's just so awful, that kind of thing. Okay. And that, and they all kind of a common denominator is they always make them believe this is what's going to happen if we don't kill ourselves. The government is going to come and kill us or shoot us down because of the good work we're doing because the world doesn't want to, you know, go this way. And these people believe it. It's insane. I mean, which I love. I'm just, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just like, what? These people will poison their own children because they think that there's something better you know and there's a lot of other cults that like think that you know oh they're gonna die and go to this other planet or like crazy crazy stuff so it's it's, i like i think it's intriguing because it's like we think it's crazy obviously (laughs) like we think that is absolutely insane but from their perspective they think that we are crazy for not doing it and so i think just the brain like the fact that their brains have been programmed in such a different way. I don't know. It really is just mind blowing to me. They just wear these people down enough 
that they truly believe they have no will really anymore, which is a whole other thing. Because at first you kind of think, well, you can see how people like who have, you know, mental health issues or this or that, you know, it's easy to kind of right. make that type of thing but no it's just kind of normal people but they wear they wear them down so much their will to live or their will to fight back because by the end of most of these these people are being treated horribly but they have no will to fight back and that's why how these things end up ending because the leader is pretty much like okay well i have to end it now because i'm kind of being revealed for how shitty of a person I really am and you know the the secrets are coming out of all the money they've stolen and all these things that he's abusing people and sexually abusing people and blah 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 so then he's like okay well now we have to kill all of ourselves because you know the end, the world is ending <laughs> like conveniently you know and so it's just I don't know I love it so much well that actually reminds me of um have you ever seen that I think it's like a two or three piece documentary about Scientology with um, Leah Remini? Oh, no. It's like, no, no, no. It's like three seasons, I believe. I watched all of it. I oh, love is it? it? I love it. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. W- it's so similar to that to me. Like, just the stuff that she's saying, like, all, just everything that goes on in the, that church. Yes. You just have to wonder, like, people still doing this especially in this day and age and that's what's so bizarre to me about that is that it's still going on there are still i mean so many active members of scientology which blows my mind and it's so sad because whenever you now are hearing the truth about how much money they're taking from these people how they're treating them you know but separating them from their families all of these things you're just like and oh i don't know yeah Yeah. so i think yeah we should um Maybe we can find some other. I'm sure there's like a whole bunch out there, so we can just go on and on about yeah. that. Yeah, so much fun. I would love to do that. It's basically just kind of like a pyramid scheme, you know. <laughs> I like that pyramid scheme. Exactly. Uh, I was a part of when I was doing door to door sales. Right. <laughs> I got it out. <laughs> I made it out. Made it out of the cult. <laughs> what was the cult you thought you joined? Uh, the Illuminati. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think I joined the Illuminati, but I did watch many, many uh, YouTube videos about the Illuminati one night in college. It was probably like 10 hours worth. And yeah, so that was my my cult of one uh, where we were obsessed with the Illuminati. You, uh, it was a copy, copycat Illuminati. Cult <laughs> Illumina copy. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was an even harder one to get out of. I almost didn't let myself go. <laughs> a lot of repercussions. <laughs> yeah. You should check out the specials on Amy. They're on demand or whatever. They're real good. I was actually I could actually convince Chris to watch those. He was very disturbed, but there's a difference between being disturbed and scared. So that's yeah, and I think that he'll he being disturbed. Well, I think he at first thinks, um, "Oh, this isn't like murder or something terrifying, scary, whatever," and so he goes into it. But then once he finds out, oh my, what? What happened here? What am I watching? Why do you, why do you want to watch this? And he kind of look, gives me this look every single time of like, <laughs> what, who, like you're are, crazy. who are you? Who did I marry? What is happening? <laughs> are you a psychopath? Chris probably thinks you're going to kill him in his every single night when he goes to bed. Oh, well, oh he does. 100%. He's convinced. He could, because I watched my, <laughs> I mean, I listened to my favorite murder so much that I have, I mean endless amounts of material to go by but but i t- i mean i'm yeah. more afraid of him murdering me and that's why i listen to those things and watch those things because i'm just preparing myself at least that's what i tell myself it's, yeah anything about murder like the my favorite murder podcast or any scary movies and shows about it it's you know it serves two purposes one it can help you see if somebody's going to murder you so you're always aware but it also gives you great idea on how to murder people if you needed to it's self-preservation because i always put myself in that situation and then i'm like okay how would i get out of it what would i do how would i murder this person how would i kill this person how would i like escape and i mean i haven't had time to do it in this house but in my old house i had like escape routes from every vantage point <laughs> someone who's going to come in and murder me <laughs> and because i'm that's just my brain i can't get out that's 
No, I, I, I do that too, but I came to terms a while ago with the fact that there is no escape route from my fourth floor apartment, which I should not have just no. said. There's only one apartment complex in Denver. <laughs> Good luck. But seriously, like what would, I think about that sometimes, like I'm on the fourth floor. I'm surely going to die if I jump out the window. Like what, if someone comes in here, I'm, I'm done for. <laughs> like, the nice thing is, I, I might but, as well just let them in. Yeah, but you can like scream loud enough that hopefully someone, you know what I mean? You're sharing walls. So that's kind of a little bit more comforting. I am not, there's, it's just me. My kids are not going to save me. They're going to run out the front door and save themselves, which I would too. But yeah, so I think I you can scream loud enough and maybe someone will hear you. That just seems like a really pathetic plan. <laughs> like, what are you going to do if someone I mean, tries to kill you? Oh, I'm just going to scream. But I mean, you can do that first and then go to like their original plan. You know what I mean? Scream really, really loud. Scream. Freak them out. Scare, get, you know, so someone can hear you and then fight back. Because if you're just fighting in silence and die, then there's like no one's going to come find you. True. Well, luckily, um, Katie, my roommate's bedroom is first oh, on the way. So uh, after you work in the front door. So I would hope that they check on her first and then that, that I'll hear it happen and then that will give me enough time yeah. to, to maybe sprint out the front door. Yeah. So, sorry, Katie. Yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll bring it you. Um, those are her survival tips. You should definitely listen. Oh, yes, don't, uh, don't follow them. Find no, your own. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, definitely just call the police. So we kind of decided this week we would, since we, Brett lives in Denver and I live little I live in a little town south of Nashville. I just tell everyone Nashville because it's kind of like a suburb. Um, I live in a little town called Franklin. Um, we both decided we'd kind of find a scary haunted story from each town, kind of give you guys a little bit of fun history of the places that we live in. Um, so you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, you can go first. Okay. You ready for the Lot's House, the Battle of Franklin? Um, yeah. Kind of give you guys a little backstory, history, um, Franklin, and most, I mean, obviously being in the South, which is pretty new, obviously new for me. Everything is historical here. Everything has a historical marker. Every park is a battleground of some sort from some war or this or that, which is really, really cool. Growing up in Oklahoma, we didn't have a ton of that kind of stuff. So the story I'm going to tell is about a house um, that was the foreground for a major battle of the Civil War called the Battle of Franklin. Um, and it's called the Lots House, and it's right in the middle of town here. There's a cute little Main Street area, and it's right in the heart of that area. And so um, let's see. The um, Lots family purchased the house. They were German immigrants, and I'm going to attempt not to butcher their names. Uh, it's <laughs> Johann Albert Lotz and Margarita Lotz. So yeah, so they bought the house. Um, he was a really talented woodworker, so the house was immaculate. You know, he kind of customized the house with all of his intricate details and that kind of thing. Showed off how his work and how he kind of got work. Um, but so, yeah, the, um, let me see, where was I? Uh, it, like I said, it was kind of the foreground for one of the major battles and it was surrounded by troops from the Confederates and the Union soldiers. And before the battle took place, um, troops were actually digging protective trenches around the house and they ended up cutting down every single tree surrounding the house just so no one could hide in them. The Union soldiers did. And the Union soldiers actually... Um, poisoned a lot of the water supply surrounding the house as well, which wound up killing the twin daughters of the Lotzes, Julius and Julia, which is so sad considering everything they went through. Yeah, they're very creative. <laughs> really, really creative back then. I think yeah. they had like six kids. Like yeah. They had like six kids, so they were just running out of options at that point. They're like, what's Julius? <laughs> Julius. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, sounds sounds Yeah. So, which, like I said, everything that they wind up surviving, it's really sad that that's how they died. But yeah, so the Union soldiers were poisoning the water, cutting down trees, because... Um, 
there was actually a union, like a base here in downtown Franklin as well. Um, Cause this is mostly uh, Confederate country. Um, but so on November 30th, um, after 25,000 Northern soldiers retreated from Spring Hill, which is a little bit south of here, um, they came up on, like I said, on the morning of November 30th, and the federal line was established in the front yard of the Lots house. And um, obviously, they didn't think, they knew they were in trouble, and they knew it was going to be hard for them to survive in their house, because they didn't have any sort of basement, and it was all wood. So they went across the street to what's known as the Carter house now, because they had a brick basement. And uh, it was them and 20 other people and they stayed down there for 17 hours while the battle went on all around them. And the next day when they exited the basement, they were greeted with um, six feet of dead, dead soldiers in the yard between the Carter house and the Lots house, which I think it's about 120 steps or something they said from there to there so which is not it's not a very big I drive by it every single day take my kids to school and it's not like a huge yard so imagine six feet deep like in your front yard of dead bodies um I think yeah so what when you say that though like I mean they're stacked like six feet of bodies stacked on top of each other yeah just from the battle just from them fighting each other um and they were still, there were still soldiers standing up because there was nowhere for them to fall because there were so many dead bodies. Um, oh. The number, let me see if I can find it. I think it said 10,000 Americans um, were killed in that battle alone. And so the lots... You kind of think like at that point, they would be like, like if, if you're clearly all going to die, you right. can't be like, maybe let's not. Like let's no. just like, all go home. Day and reconvene in a bigger area yeah that just seems like a bad idea because no one's really going to win so you might as well just like reschedule yeah i mean i the whole idea of that kind of battle is so bizarre to me anyway because it's all like hand-to-hand battle at that point it's hand-to-hand combat you know there wasn't machine guns and all the you know artillery that they have now so yeah I, None of it makes sense. I mean, I'm like, how in the world do you just keep fighting when there's that many people? I mean, even like you hear the number 10,000 and you're like, well, when, when there's 5,000 people around you dead, do you think that's like a good stopping point? You're like, when at some yes, point, I would say way before it even got to Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Let's just agree. How can we that, tell her? Uh, yeah. Why keep going? But yeah. So the pretty much the battle lasted about five hours total the actual battle part and it was came to be known the five bloodiest hours of the civil war and the lots house served as a hospital for the wounded soldiers on both sides the confederacy and the union um which was pretty uncommon but they just had nowhere else to go and i'm not sure how many people survived i think i can't remember how many i don't think i ever read that number anywhere but so imagine not that many so they just kind of had to take care of who they could at that point um and now to this day if you go to the house there's blood stains in all of the rooms you know in the wood and everywhere which i think is amazing um and the house itself suffered severe battle damage um but you know him being such a skilled woodworker he went in immediately and fixed everything up and everything but uh, I guess you can still see, I haven't been yet, I want to go, but I guess you can still see um, a, sh- a cannon was shot through the roof and it fell down all the f- stories and landed in the middle of the entryway. And you can see the burn mark where it rolled away, like still on the wooden floor, which I think is so cool. Um, so, yeah. So uh, he repaired all the damage, um, but in 1869, they had to abandon the house and they fled to California. Um, Apparently lots, he built a piano with an inscription on it of an eagle holding a Confederate flag like hanging upside down because this was after um, the Confederacy lost and was over. And so the KKK was not happy about it and they came after him and threatened him pretty hard. And so they ended up having to leave town and 
the KKK thankfully only took the piano out and burned the piano alone. He didn't, they didn't touch the house thankfully. So it's still intact. Um, so that was kind of the last big history of the house. Um, from then on, it just kind of became different businesses, a cooking school and law offices, apartments and that kind of stuff. And by 1974, it was actually slated for demolition until the historical uh, community got a hold of it and got it on the registry so it couldn't be touched. And in 2002, a family, the Thompsons, bought it. And they wanted to open it up as a Civil War museum because I guess the husband, JT, was like a huge Civil War buff and just fell in love with the house. Um, And I guess, so this kind of was where the um, haunting stories started because I guess the right after they bought the house was the anniversary of the battle on November 30th. And this being a huge civil war town and just they do reenactments they do parades everything they can i mean they this town kind of celebrates everything which is awesome and so i can't we haven't i haven't witnessed any of the civil war stuff so i but i imagine it's pretty big um and so they were there for that and they decided to spend the night they thought it'd be fun and they were wrong they were wrong so that night um they were in the house or that evening i guess they were in the house and they began to hear drumming loud drumming sounds like a marching band drummer you know little war drummer boy and they just kind of say like they heard dave Grohl, (laughs) animal Um, and so, God, animal <laughs> Muppet baby in my house. Um, and so they kind of just thought that it, they assumed it was the reenactors from something still going on. So they went outside and they realized it was too late. Like the parade had been over for a long time. So they're kind of like, what? So they even kind of went around and kind of walked over to the Carter house across the street. That's still there standing. They didn't hear anything. So they just went back inside uh, and they realized once they were back in, that the drumming could only be heard coming from upstairs and they there was nothing there and so they kind of go check yeah they couldn't find anything (laughs) yeah they just found a drummer upstairs that was fine that's so that's end of my story (laughs) (laughs) just holding band practice found a squatter he happened to be a drummer they kicked him out and the worst squatter ever (laughs) Apparently he didn't realize anyone bought the house. He's too busy rocking out. Um, So yeah, they didn't find anyone there and they just went to bed. And I guess that night JT's wife was woken up by something and she looked over and it wasn't her husband. He was still asleep. And she looks over in the hallway and there is a young woman standing in the hallway with what seems to be like a candle and a candle holder. And she's calling out and saying, where's Anne? Where's Anne? Which I think was what they called um, Mrs. Lotz, which her name is Margarita. And I, so I don't really know. Maybe. Um, yeah. It's not usually short for Margarita, I don't think. Next time I'm at a Mexican restaurant, I'll just order a bunch of Anne's. Yeah. Anne? Oh, no. <laughs> Give me Anne on the rocks with salt, yeah. please. Uh, maybe that was like her cover-up German name because everyone was like, mm, I don't think that's German. <laughs> She's like, just call me Anne, okay? So she saw what was described as like a ghostly figure in the hallway. And that was one story that I found that was actually pretty reoccurring because I after... I think they allowed people to spend the night for a little while before it became just a museum. And um, I'd seen a couple people who confirmed that same story about the woman in the hall. And so the site um, opened in 2008 and just opened for tours and whatnot. And JT, the owner, he was pretty much the only guy working there the first couple of years. And so he was the tour guide and everything shared some good stories about all of his time spent there alone. And um, one thing he says he learned is that you always have to give them an audience on the front end and the back end, meaning saying hello in the morning and goodbye in the evening to the spirits in the house. And on one account is um, one morning JT was running late for an appointment with a computer tech and he was carrying his coffee upstairs 
and he rushed inside and hurried the tech guy and to the computer. And when he returned back downstairs, he realized he forgot the coffee. So he goes back upstairs and um, the tech's face was completely white, like he was going to be sick. And JT offered to call, you know, doctor, call an ambulance or something because he just looked so sick. And I mm-hmm. guess the tech was like, no, um, but your coffee just moved uh, on your desk a foot in front of me uh, by itself. And I guess JT kind of just laughed it off and was like, well, there's a simple explanation for that. I was in such a hurry. I forgot to say hello to them this morning. Which I'm like, <laughs> I guess you've been there for a while. So you're totally lost. Maybe you should have warned this poor computer man. <laughs> yeah. The guy never came back. Right. Yeah. It's like, it didn't even, you don't even have to pay me. I'm leaving by. So, uh, yeah. And he says they just need a little bit of attention and they always find ways to get it. He says objects uh, occasionally go missing, including his checkbook. Um, the landline phone often goes missing and they've also stolen two bananas in the past. So apparently they're, what but, are they doing with the checkbook? What, what are they buying? Lord knows. Um, maybe updating their wardrobe. And so, but they said, um, usually the objects that they stole always showed back up like in plain sight somewhere they know they would have seen it had they've been looking for it, which I think is kind of awesome. Um, and so, and he also said, it would be so frustrating. <laughs> right. I know. Especially like your phone. Cause in 2008, you like actually use a landline. So you're like, where, oh. That would be annoying. And so, uh, but he also said on sometimes on quiet winter days when no one else is there, when he's working in his office waiting for visitors who hear childish giggling coming from one of the upstairs rooms. And he'll often think that he's missed a visitor and go to ch- go to greet them. And when he enters the room, there's no one there. Yeah. Like I said, I have not been yet. I drive by. Do, uh, do they do haunted tours or anything there? Yeah. There's like a whole, you can basically, you walk, it's like a walking tour of the city, which is kind of cool. Because the city, the street that I actually live on is like the most haunted street in town, I guess. So this house, it's yeah. like all the stories and everything. I think it's one of the most haunted houses in the United States which is kind of awesome. So I definitely want to go check it out if I can talk Clemson into going with me. <laughs> Good luck with that. Just tell them you want to go see the museum. And then when you get there, just sign up for the ghost tour and then he has to do it. Turn all the lights off and run out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Or just wait till I come visit and then we'll do that one too. Oh my gosh, I know. Because then we have to go to the graveyard down the road from it too. That was from back then as well it's so creepy it's awesome yeah go have a seance there now and then style right i know i'm like every single haunting story is surrounded by that which is kind of fun yeah that's so cool yeah plus there's probably a bunch of like country stars that haunt nashville too so you have to do a like the ghost of Willie Nelson still floating around Nashville. It's very lifelike too. Yes. You can almost touch him. You can see him smoking him. a blunt if you look close. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to come visit and, and see that in person and go to the cemetery. Oh my gosh, I know. We're going to have so find much some ghosts. Yeah. So did you yeah. find a good haunted story? I'm I did. Yeah. So I I did find that Denver is very haunted, Um, not by the Civil War, but I I think Rush really had a big thing to do just because like a lot, there's a lot of money, a lot of old money that came to Denver during the Rush. I found a story, even though it's funny that we didn't talk about what our stories were going to be about ahead of time, but we both considered doing it over a cemetery and then ended up doing them over um, haunted houses. Right. Mine is also about a mansion, and it's called the Croke Patterson Mansion. And if you live in Denver, this is over in Cap Hill. Um, if you don't live in Denver, it's just a little neighborhood that is maybe like five miles um, south of downtown. So it's very, I mean, people, it's kind of like right in the heart of everything of Denver. People pass this on a regular basis. It's this giant castle. It is a gorgeous house. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, it's huge. And I'm so glad that it's still standing because I've actually heard of a lot of these old mansions um, have been torn down to build fucking brand new apartment complexes for all of the shithead. Just to give a little bit of history, I'm not going to dive too hard into the history of this mansion, but um, it was built by a man named Thomas Croak. And he uh, was an Irish immigrant his family, I'm sorry, his family was Irish immigrants, but he was born in Wisconsin. So he was a Wisconsin immigrant. Um, He moved to Denver in 1874. And he started off working as a clerk in one of the biggest carpet uh, department stores, which I didn't even know a carpet department store was a thing, but apparently it was. Um, Yeah. So he started as a clerk, rose to manager. He, from what it sounds like, he really worked his way up in the business. And then he eventually took over. um, (laughs) And the carpet store. Carpet store. Gonna get those five more. Anyways. And then he became Stanley Steamer. The topic. Kidding. He didn't. Um, But anyway, so he opened his own carpet store after that, which um, is actually, I think it's where the Chase building downtown stands now, 16th and Lawrence, which I think is just, I love like learning about all the old buildings downtown. Like, that looks old. What was that? Yeah. Sometimes I say it to people too. I'm like, that thing looks old. Um, so after so his his carpet store was extremely successful, and that is what earned him his fortune so that he could build his mansion. And so in 1890, he started building, and his permit that he received for it was for eighteen thousand dollars, which I don't know what that would convert to nowadays, but I have to imagine it'd be like at least a million. Yeah, I mean, for if, yes. for that size of a house, I'd assume if he was doing well, probably, I mean, probably more. I don't know. What year was this? I, eight, 1890, I just said that. Oh, crap. That's probably a lot more. You yeah, well, listen. Yeah. Details, like, get me. Don't you listen. <laughs> yeah, I think it. it's a 10-bedroom giant mansion, so yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Oh, my cat just came sprinting out of my closet. That's not creepy. Jeter. There's a ghost in there. Closet ghost. Clean out my wardrobe. (laughs) Seriously, like, clean my room. So anyway, so, I'm sorry. So he pulled the permit for $18,000 and he began um, construction on what was to be the Croke Mansion. Um, He hired this contractor who, in a noted architect, who had also designed the nearby McMurtry Good Mansion, which is still standing and is a pretty renowned mansion here in Denver. Um, so it boasted three stories, a full basement, turrets, spires, finials. I don't know what that is. Weird that that's noted, but good for oh, them. Like, it's like intricate details, pretty much. Okay. Neat. Neat. So our doorways, it, it was described as a castle. So in your mind, picture a castle standing in the middle of Denver. So almost immediately after building his grand show place and for reasons never explained, he only lived there for six months. After the death of his wife, Margaret Dunphy Croak, which I wonder if she's related to the Dunphys and modern family. He moved into the mansion with two young children and his parents, but his his mother also died shortly thereafter. So he just lost his wife and his mother. They suspect that maybe these two losses are why he left, but there's also reason to believe that he felt something was off in there. Like he felt some bad juju in the house, um, which again, he just left without any explanation. Right. He sold the house to a man named Thomas Patterson, who was also of Irish descent, but he was a legitimate immigrant. <laughs> um, he didn't come from Wisconsin. He came from Ireland. So Thomas Patterson took over. He bought the house from Croke. He lived there. And that's pretty much all the history that I'm going to give because from then on, it's not really that exciting. After after Thomas Patterson lived there for quite a while and after that, it became multiple things like office buildings. It was turned into apartments in the 1970s. um, And now... Oh, it's um, an inn. It was it was a bed and breakfast, and now they turned it into an inn. It was also a radio station at one point, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, so it's actually an inn now called the Patterson Inn, where you can stay for right. 100, 200 bucks a night. That's not bad. I mean, consider yeah, right. But then here's the part that might want to that might deter people from staying there for that cheap, cheap rate. <laughs> 
100 bucks a night plus the ghost. The turn down service is awful. That's why. <laughs> no mints on my pillow. So, so whenever this building was, this was after Thomas Croke sold it and he left for inexplicable reasons. Dang is that a player? <laughs> inexplicable. So during the renovation in the 1970s, the construction crews began to experience quite a few strange occurrences. After long days of work, they'd often return the next day to find that the tasks that they had completed the day before had then been undone. Uh, so it occurred several times until they decided to leave guard dogs there because they suspected foul play. So they left, they got two Doberman pinchers and they left them there overnight and when they showed up the next day they found the two pinchers dead on the sidewalk after having apparently jumped from the third story window so my guess is that they were possessed or there was just something so terrible in the house that they felt the need to flee yeah that's like one thing which are like fearful of that kind of energy bad energy and stuff yeah they usually don't want to stick around right but I don't know why they didn't just run out, like, go off the first story, you know, which is why it makes me believe, like, they were... No, these ghosts were assholes. First, I know. They the well, they undo all these people's hard work, <laughs> which is, like, why? That's more work for you. Just, like, burn the house down or something. Yeah. But then they kill two dogs. Well, that's not going to make them leave if they have to stay there longer to complete their work all over again. Like, if that's you want true. them to go, do their work. Yeah, we we'll just finish the house. <laughs> They'll show up and be like, oh, shit, I guess I don't have a job anymore. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's ghosts really weren't. Not ghosts. Not, not a real stupid ghosts. Um, yeah, so sad the little Doberman Pinchers died. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, so then once the renovation was finally complete, I guess they finally let them do their tasks, stopped undoing all the tasks, and they finished the renovation. Um, the Employees that worked there immediately began to notice equipment moving around, like typewriters and copy machines um, and telephones uh, would start mysteriously working by themselves, which I wish that would happen in my job. I'd have to make way less calls. Gosh, there were telephones back then, like in in homes? In the 70s? Oh, wait, I was thinking, sorry, see the years, I just, numbers, it's just too much. I was thinking 18, you get Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it actually just used two uh, tin cups. And yeah. So then they held a séance to try to determine who was haunting the building, which is always a great idea. Right. They found it to be spirit of a little girl whose body was supposedly entombed in the cellar. However, when the basement was excavated, they found a hidden chamber there, but it was filled with sea sand and no remains of a little girl. Excuse me. Um, a ghost. What is yeah, sea sand. I don't know. I, sand by the sea I have no idea. I, in my head, I just <laughs> like sea sand in basement. I picture it to be like, do you remember when we were in elementary school and that like colored sand was a huge thing? Like you'd fill Coke bottles up with it and like, like or like. Well, that's just like regular sand. No, but it'd be like different colors and we would make art with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You thought it was that's like what I picked. enclosed in purple sand, like tied. She, do you think she's like enclosed in a pur- in a tie dye sand tube? It was the seventies. <laughs> so, I don't know. The fun project for school today. Just ignore the dead body. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean the colors. I just mean like you know how fine that sand was. It's like like soft and like. Or was it like no? Was it? I don't know what else sea sand would be. Well, I mean, or was it like back then they probably didn't like sell sand like you can buy it now. So maybe it was like called sea sand because that's the only place it could have come from. You know what I mean? Like the actual sea. That I, like. I think this article I'm reading was probably written later. So I don't know why they're still calling it sea sand. It's just regular sand at this point. But any, whatever, regardless, there was no remains and there's no little girl, no bones. Um, in addition to that, a ghostly image has often been sighted gliding up and down the main floor stairway, and otherworldly voices have been heard here as well. Um, people believe to have seen Thomas Patterson, the former owner of the home, uh, walking back and forth between the mansion and the carriage house in the courtyard. Ooh. It does still serve as an apartment building, or when this was written, I'm sorry, not to this day, so ah. that's an inn. But when 
that still served as an apartment building, occupants um, would constantly be complaining about wild part wild parties taking place on the third level. But then whenever they would go to investigate, there'd be nothing there. Ooh. Ghosts just like to party. They were annoying ghosts. Just wanted to fuck with people constantly. Like I know. But still I'm so I'm very curious. I haven't been able to find any more information about like this little girl. People hear like child's voices and babies crying and so it just makes me I feel like there's so much more history to this house than what's even been reported. I wonder if uh the what's his name the owner had a child well the second one oh maybe croak maybe that was why he left maybe it was like something awful happened maybe. to his daughter or something and he had to peace out and left to csan and went home it's possible <laughs> he just left a bunch of csan behind <laughs> um yeah but i think yeah because he did have two daughters or it didn't say daughters, two young children. I'm just making that up because <laughs> I want them to be daughters. You did have one that died. They had. I'm just kidding. You had to be. I don't know. And then, yeah, Thomas Patterson is said he and his family. So I don't know. See, that's what I'm saying. There's got to be so much more to this. But I want to go stay here for a night and see. Yeah. Anything. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. I wonder if you can, like, request the ghostiest, hauntedest room. It'd have to be the third floor. Third and that's the most fun one. Right, the party floor. Yeah. yeah, well, because I've never spent the night in what I know to be a haunted place anyway, except the, well, the Skirvin Hilton in Oklahoma City is, you know, supposedly super haunted, and I've spent the night there, but nothing okay. happened. I don't think I've ever stayed there, but yeah, I didn't know it was haunted. Yeah, I, I did hear a story about that, that when the Lakers um, were in town playing the, I think it was, it was the Lakers or the Knicks, but they were in town playing the Thunder. They stayed there and like half the team checked out in the middle of the night because they said they like no. experienced hauntings. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, see, I know. I know. I just, I, yeah. no, I mean, knowing our luck, we would probably go and nothing would happen. It would just What's be like, a normal night and we'd be disappointed. Oh, I like that story though. That's so, so I like ones so that fun. have a lot of um, open-ended like possibilities. So you can kind of ponder and make up your own story about what you think happened. I don't know. I have so many questions. I need to go talk to these ghosts and figure it out. Ooh, so we should bring a Ouija board there. Ooh, yeah. We can just combine all the creepy things that we love and try them all out at once. Great idea. But yeah, because it's a new yeah. build, so that's weird too. Because usually it's older homes. Well, not, I mean. It, New. It was built in 1890. No, <laughs> it's not new. When he built it, I'm saying obviously it's not new now. But when he was building it, it was like most haunted houses. When people go into them and feel spirit, it's because it's an old house. But he had just built it, and he walks in, and there's a ghost there already. It's like what? What? Well, it's typical Indian burial ground underneath. I think. Guessing. <laughs> Part of the questions. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many options. Sea sand by the seashore, dead bodies, babies. We don't know. It's haunted by. <laughs> I did want to say, uh, I've since the first episode. This is a different subject, but I did find out where the halfway point is between Denver and Nashville. Oh, you did? Um, because I did. So first, I was in the podcast with my dad and my yeah. mom, and my dad just cannot stand to have any question unanswered, and. And so as soon as he heard us say, like, we didn't know where it was, he pulled out his phone and Googled the halfway point. Um, and then also my friend at work did the thing. And I was like, can you people just let, like, let us, let, let us, us be. God, Let's like, just we give want, us this one thing. No one needs to know where it actually is. Mystery. We want people um, coming back and they think they're going to get answers to their uh, questions and they won't. <laughs> never will. The halfway point is actually in Lawrence camp if we ever want to meet there oh perfect we can go see my mom too so it's not uh the halfway point that we met growing up you mean unfortunately no well, it is not i feel like lawrence is like straight north of Tulsa, though, so that's pretty close uh cool well yeah, so we hope you guys enjoyed this one just as much or hopefully more actually than the last one um i you know i enjoyed this one just as much as the last one too but i love that we're kind of getting into the meat of scary stuff yeah. now what we want to talk about so yeah we hope you guys enjoyed it um 
please go and review and subscribe, share it with your friends or people you don't like if you want to torture them with listening to our voices for an hour or so. Um, just do all the things. Oh, we also, um, we have an Instagram page. It's uh, uh-huh. at meet me halfway underscore in between the words uh, podcast. And then leave reviews if they're yeah, not. If you have any suggestion stuff that you think would be fun for us to cover or any suggestions of like how if we could get any better um no, really anything at all we'll take it don't, to we don't need to get better we just listen like i said we don't need unless it's nice <laughs> only if it's nice that's all five stars nice comments don't talk about how awful my voice is to listen to i know yeah. all these things if listen. you guys want to talk shit on they just message me I've hung, I've hung out with myself for a long time. I know what I need to fix. <laughs> I'm set in my ways. <laughs> never going to do it. No. Never going to do it. the way I am until I die. Well, cool. Well, I'm excited for next week. Um, you guys, guys, always remember, antennas up. Bye. Bye.